Hello, this is Mark Richter with another episode of Linux for the Layman. Want to feel safe, secure, and capable when using your computer? This is for you if you want to succeed and know you can handle your computer tasks with ease. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Linux for the Layman, the joy of computing. So far, since I started this podcast, I've had one question, and I'm going to answer it today. The question was, how do I convert from Windows 10 to Ubuntu? So let's talk about what it takes. First of all, the most important thing you can do when you're going to do anything of a in the nature of a major change to your operating system is back up your files. Normally, if you're going to make a change, but you're going to stick within the same general framework of an operating system, for example, if you wanted to switch from one Linux distribution to another, or from Windows 7 to Windows 10, I would say do the backup using an application of the operating system you're running. In this particular case, switching from Windows to Ubuntu or any other Linux distribution, you do not want to use a Windows backup application. Why not, you may ask? I think the answer to that one is fairly clear, because after you make the conversion, that application may not be available to you anymore. Period. Use a different application. One of the most convenient ways I can think of to do this is that during the installation, if you're running the Ubuntu installation live, you can use a Linux backup application to your favorite backup repository. And then when you restore the files after converting to Linux, you use the same application. If you back your files up in the Windows app for backup, when you run Linux, you may have trouble getting those files back. Now, why is this such a big deal? All you're doing is switching the operating system. Nothing's going to go wrong, right? That's what we all hope. And generally speaking, that's what usually happens. This is a precaution, and it's a good one to take because you never know when something could go completely crazy. You might have the wonderful experience of having your disk drive decide it's not going to install or come back or let you reboot and your Windows system just crashes. It's not likely, but it can happen. Hardware has been known to fail for any reason at any time. And as a general rule, you should always keep a regular backup of your files. I try to do a regular backup at least every month, which is too long, frankly. Every week is better. Every day, if you have the disk space to do the backup to or the cloud space, is fine. Now, this is not about backups. This is about installing Ubuntu when you have Windows 10. Your second step is to get the installation medium. In Ubuntu, the best way to do that is to go to the Ubuntu website, click on Download, and select a download repository because there are several that you can choose from and they're all more or less alike. They're usually divided by which countries they're in so pick one for your country and you should be good. You want to download the ISO file. The ISO file is a file in ISO 9660 
format. That is a specific format for optical drives. And the reason you want to pick the ISO file is because that's the complete installation medium. Typically when you download an ISO file, you burn it onto a CD, or if it's too big for a CD, a DVD. Or in either case, you almost always use a flash drive. If you want to put the ISO file on a flash drive, you need an application for that. If you're running Windows, I've heard good things about Rufus. R-U-F-U-S. It's an app you can get on the web. It's free, and it's got a pretty good reputation. So I would say use it if you can. The third step is to consider what kind of installation you're going to do. Are you going to install Ubuntu to completely replace your Windows install? Are you going to try and install it so it'll run alongside your Windows as it currently is? Or do you want to do something a little bit different? I'm going to cover the alongside Windows and the a little bit different in the next episode. In this episode right now, I'm going to cover installing and erasing your Windows disk. Now, that's an option. Don't do it if you're not comfortable with it. Hang on for the next episode and you'll find out how that works. But you may want to know how this works. So I'm going to take a short break and I'll be back with part two on installing Ubuntu over Windows. Here we're going to go through rebooting from your installation medium, filling in the data you need to, and a couple other features that will go on during the installation. Once your backup is complete, the next step is to reboot your machine, the one that you're going to install Ubuntu on over Windows or alongside Windows either way. You want to reboot from your installation medium. If that's a CD or a DVD, usually you can just put it in your CD DVD drive and reboot the machine. It is possible you have to interrupt the boot process with whatever special key it is that tells you you can interrupt the boot process to change the settings and select the CD or DVD as your primary boot option. If you're using a flash drive, chances are you will have to interrupt the boot and have it boot from the flash drive because typically systems won't boot from a flash drive even if it's plugged in. This ensures that you will be able to boot the installation medium and once it's booted up you're going to be presented with a set of choices one of which is to install directly one of which is to run the distribution before installing or running it live. I strongly recommend that you run it live for a number of reasons. The first one is that if it comes up or when it comes up, you'll know that you can actually run this distribution of Linux on your machine. I've never had a case where that didn't occur, but you never know. Computers are not 100% consistent. It gives you a chance to poke around and see what running with this distro will look like. You can look at the menu and see where the applications are, what applications are installed, see if you recognize anything, things like this. You can also use this step to make the backup of your Windows drive using a Linux app. I mentioned this before and you may have been wondering what applications are available on Linux to do this. The two primary options are if you are familiar with the command line and comfortable with using it, there's a first class command 
for doing synchronistic transfers from one device to another or one file system to another. It's called rsync, R-S-Y-N-C. It takes an input file or directory or a set of input files and directories and one destination directory. One of the things that you can do is you can mount your Windows disk so that you can access the files on it and then use rsync to back them up to someplace else. You do not want to back them up to the installation medium. First of all, if it's an optical disk, you can't do that. And even if it's not, if you're using a flash drive, the installation medium is a temporary location. It will not save anything. So you need a plug-in disk drive or a cloud option. One of the things like that so that you can do the backup. The other option, if you don't really want to use the command line, yes, there is one. The simplest one is the file manager. You still have to mount the Windows drives and you still have to copy the files, but you can do that. And it's not really any slower, it's just not quite as efficient in my opinion. And you have to poke around and go through every directory that you want to back up with the file manager one at a time and do them one at a time. With rsync, if you know what you're doing, you can do them all at the same time. There are probably also other options. You can search the web, look for a Linux backup application. You can install applications even though you're running from the installation medium. They won't stick around after you do the installation and have completed it, but you can use it while you're running live. Once you're finished with that, you should begin the installation. Typically, the way you do that is there will be an icon on the desktop that says Install Ubuntu or something like that. Double-click that icon and it will begin the installation. First of all, the installation is a graphics installation, so it will guide you through step-by-step. Step. It will prompt you for any information it needs and it will give you options to change things if you don't like what you see. The first thing it's going to ask you for is which language do you want to install. Then it's going to ask you for which language is your keyboard configured in. Those aren't necessarily the same thing. For example, if you are not an English-speaking person, you can opt to have the installation talk to you in your language. But you may have the English International Keyboard, so you have to tell it, no, use the International Keyboard. Two options. Then, fairly soon, it will ask you, how do you want to do the install? Do you want to erase the disk and install completely? It may ask you if you want to install alongside your Windows. It will ask you if you want to do something else. For right now, I'm going to cover the erase disk and install Ubuntu over your Windows disk. It's a simpler installation process. It is also the most destructive installation process in that this is why you did your backups, because everything that was in your Windows files will be gone. It's going to reformat the entire disk and start you from scratch. And that's what we're going to cover this time because it's the simplest thing and I'm running really long. I don't want to run too long. It will ask you which time zone you're in. It will get your identification, which it's going to ask you for your name, a machine name, a user ID, and a password. You want to choose a secure password because the user ID it creates during installation will have administrative access 
after you finish the install and reboot in the new system. Then while it's installing it will give you a slideshow of coming attractions. This is worth watching at least once and you can use your mouse to navigate through it so if it goes by something too quickly you can back up and look at it again. The installation will take quite a few minutes. I've had it take as long as 15 or 20 minutes. Literally it's minutes. It's not the usual time you sit at Windows installations where it says please wait a moment this can take a few minutes and four hours later you're lucky if it's done. I've had one situation where that didn't happen and I'm not going to talk about it now. There is a progress bar. It will show you exactly which entities are being installed. They go by very quickly so don't even begin to expect to read it. But what I like about this and what I recommend about this is you can see what it's doing. It's not just going to sit there and say 10% done, 20%, 21%, 22%. That's what I've seen the Windows installations do. They're slow and they don't give you information. When the system is ready to reboot, it will stop and tell you it's ready to reboot. It will ask you if you want to reboot or if you want to continue running live. My recommendation is you've reached the end of what the installation running live is really good for. It's time to take the big step. And at this point, your installation is complete. The next step is simply to reboot. When you select that, it will ask you to remove the installation medium. Go ahead and do so because by the time it gets to that question, it doesn't need it anymore. You do the reboot and it will come up and ask you for your password using your user ID. It'll look very much like the live install except you're now running on the new system. Now if you replaced Windows as I went through in this half of the podcast, you want to copy your files back into your home directory. Maybe organize them a little bit better when you restore them. That's up to you. You may need to go out to the web and get that application you used to save them in order to get them back. But you can do that. You should be able to use the file manager or rsync. If you can access the files because of where you copied them to, you can access them from here. I hope this has been of some use to you, that you found it educational, maybe a little entertaining. If you found it scary, there are other options I'm going to go through in the next episode. If you found this useful, please feel free to make a donation. and It'll help me be able to set aside the time to record more podcasts. I hope you'll come back again. Feel free to email me. The email address is given in the introduction and it's on the website. Thank you for being here at Linux for the Layman, the joy of computing. I look forward to hearing from you and hopefully you'll be back. Thank you and bye for now.